Good morning, everybody. Um, I would kind of say that I'm sorry I can't be with you in person, but in reality, I'm kind of not really sorry at all. In fact, not sorry in the slightest. Um, at best, you could say I'm sorry, but not sorry. Um, the moment, the very moment that you're watching this, bizarrely enough, um, at this second, I will be booking into a two-day spa break, much needed spa break, with my wonderful wife. So uh, I'm not really sorry. I'm going to be in the hot tub, in the steam room, and enjoying myself a lot. But uh, I'm sure you'll enjoy this, and I've really enjoyed putting this together. Let's pray. God, I really pray that you'll help me with this today. I pray that uh, this message, even though I'm recording it in advance, will really speak to people, and that you will speak through it. Amen. So going to start off with a story from the Daily Mail. I can't say I'm the greatest fan of the Daily Mail, but that's what we've got. Former Olympic champion Jonathan Edwards has revealed that he no longer believes in God. I'm not making this up. This is actually word for word many interviews out there. He no longer believes in God, but he is happier than he's ever been. His Christian faith was so important to him as a young man that he refused to compete on a Sunday and famously gave up the chance to take part in the 1991 World Athletics Championship as a result. But in 2007, the vicar's son quit as presenter of the BBC's Songs of Praise and revealed that he was in personal turmoil after losing his faith in God. Jonathan Edwards, 47, has spoken, up, spoken out about giving up on Christianity. He says, I just stopped believing in God. I don't go to church anymore. Not at all. Edwards, who still holds the world triple jump world record, says that 19 years ago he told the Daily Mirror that he's, he's happy, he, he's fine. He doesn't miss his faith, and in many ways I feel settled and happier in myself without it. I don't know if that is related to losing my faith, or it would have been the case anyway. Had I suddenly thought that life didn't quite feel right, maybe I'd re-examine my faith. In fact, more than ever, I feel comfortable with where I am in life. Edwards, who won a silver medal in the 1996 Olympics, has previously said that he was slightly embarrassed by his former faith. In 2010, he told Sky News, I think I was probably quite narrow-minded and fundamental in my views, and a bit of a scary person. I believed that what I believed was the truth. Some of those extremes I feel slightly embarrassed about now, but overall, no regrets. In 2007, following his decision to quit Songs of Praise, Edward said, I don't claim to fully understand what I am feeling, other than to acknowledge that something I never doubted, God, I have huge doubts about now. This is a hugely complex and deeply personal issue. I am sure there are lots of things people think but will never say to me. I am who I am, regardless of whether I believe or not. I think that a basic sense of morality is shared by people of all faiths, and none. Edwards, now a BBC sports presenter, lives with his wife Alison and sons Sam and Nathan in Newcastle-upon-Tyne. His wife still works for the church, but he insists his change of heart has not caused a problem within the family. What a sad story. What a tragic, tragic interview. I kind of doubt that he woke up one day and found that God was somehow not there. You know, that he woke up and God had gone like a power cut out of his life. Yes, I'm certain that he had a crisis of faith. But your relationship with God doesn't just disappear. Instead, it wanders, it forgets, it, it slips. I don't think you suddenly lose your faith in God. You don't lose it. 
you forget it, you neglect it, and it slides, it, it wanders, it, it just seems like too much work. It's all too easy to just wander away from that path. And before you know it, you can't even find the path that you're meant to be on. Now what we're going to look at today is we're going to look at Peter, because this happened to Peter. Peter had a crisis of faith. And it led to him just giving up and going home. Done, had enough. What we're going to do is I'm going to break down in great detail exactly how Peter lost his faith. And then as we do that, we need to take a look at where we are on our walk with God. Because this is relevant to us. I'd like you to turn with me to Mark 14, Mark 14 and verse 32. Mark 14, 32. They went to a place called Gethsemane and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter and James and John along with him and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Just a little sleep. Just a bit of a rest. This Christianity lark, you know, it can be. It's a lot of an effort. And Peter had been following Jesus for, for years. He, he, he knew it. He'd been there. And here we are at yet another late night prayer meeting. And you know what? I, I really feel for Peter. Because if there's one thing that challenges my spiritual discipline, it has to be late night prayer meetings. Jesus says, stay awake. Peter falls asleep. Jesus says, stay awake. Keep watch. Yet another call to give up your own time and to focus on someone else. In this case, focus on Jesus. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You've got the right heart. It's good. But it all seems just like too much effort. And that's how it starts with us. Because sometimes, yes, I, I freely admit, God's call on our lives can feel like a bit of a slog. It might be a joyful slog, but it's still work. You work for this kingdom. And it can seem just like too much hard work. And instead of focusing on the needs of others, the temptation is to focus on yourself. I need a rest. I, I deserve a rest. I am, I am owed a rest. Jesus might have given you purpose, but the flesh is weak. It wants you to just, just, just take a break. Just take a, sit on the back seat. Just, just chill out. Everyone has their role to play in the kingdom. No matter how upfront or behind the scenes it might be. He might have asked you to run or support a home group, a life group. He might have asked you to preach or to help serve the coffee or, or play in the worship band. He might have asked you to serve in some area outside of the church. 
he might have, you might be one of those critical saints that God wants you to pray in and continuously determined prayer. But everybody, no matter who you are, there is a role for you in the kingdom because everybody is called to take their eyes off themselves and to help. It's, it's not just a, a passive thing. Everybody has their role to play. Now, Peter's fall from faith starts off with him just taking a break. Just, just take a break. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So start off with just an easy question. Are you being obedient to God's call on your life? Or are you taking a break? Are you being obedient to God's call on your life? Or are you just taking a little bit of a break? Peter is taking a break. And then Jesus is arrested. Mark 14, verse 53. They took Jesus to the high priest and all the chief priests, the elders and the teachers of the law came together. Peter followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest. The second stage of this fall from faith shows Peter following Jesus, but now he's following Jesus at a distance. He wants to keep an eye on what's going on. He wants to kind of be part of what's going on, but at no personal cost, no actual risk. Following Jesus, but at a distance. Following Jesus, but at a distance. Not too costly. Not too much effort. You you haven't actually turned away, but you aren't actually with him. You glimpse him at a distance. You you come to church every Sunday, you you go to life group, and in those moments you you catch that fleeting sight of God. There, there, There he is, there he is, I can just about see him in the distance. But that's all. Not really with him, but not really away from him. Very, very easy to be following Jesus at a distance. So the question again, the second question, gets a little bit tougher now. How close are we following Jesus? Are we at his side or are we following at a distance? Peter followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest. There he sat with the guards and he warmed himself at the fire. Peter follows Jesus at a distance, right up to the courtyard of the high priest. And now we find him sat with the guards, warming himself at their fire. You know what? I bet that kind of felt warm. I bet that felt good. It felt nice. And that's what it's like sin, isn't it? Sin is the warm fire of the enemy it is the it is the nice feeling you shouldn't be there but you know what it it just feels good embracing sin is sitting at the warm fire of the enemy you know you shouldn't be there but it just feels good it's an easy place to hang out it's comfortable and you know you know you shouldn't be there but it's so nice to be there Because sin is easy. Sin is that moment that is all about me. I like this. I I want this. This feels good. This feels powerful. 
It, it could be anger. It could be greed. It could be lust. It could be deceit. There's, I'm not going to go through a list of sins, but whatever it is, it is the comfortable, easy win, that moment of self that feels good. Started off with a little rest, then following at a distance, and now warming yourself at the fire of the enemy. Friends, I have to ask you, are you sat at that fire? Are you enjoying the warmth of sin? Has the joy of knowing God been replaced with the joy of knowing self, of knowing sin? Let's keep on reading in verse 66. While Peter was in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You were also with that Nazarene Jesus, she said, but he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, this fellow is one of them. Again he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, surely you're one of them, for you are a Galilean. He began to call down curses and swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately, the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. So there we have it. Uh, the anatomy, the detail, the, the breakdown of Peter's fall from faith. It started with a snooze. It started with him just taking a break. A mo- just, just take it easy. Take a break. Next, he was following Jesus at a distance. Not really with him, but not really away from him. Next up, he was warming himself at the, at the warm fire of the enemy. He'd given in to sin. And now here we have Peter, one of the closest of the disciples, cursing and swearing that doesn't, I don't even know this Jesus. I've never heard of him. I, I never really even knew him. You could think to yourself, you know, I'm getting older now. It was a nice idea, this Christianity, all those years ago when I was, you know, before kids and jobs and mortgages and health concerns. Back then in the flush of youth, it was easy. But in the hard light of the world, that, that faith just begins to burn out. If you've got this far, then you know something has gone wrong. Something has gone horribly wrong and you know it. And you are probably sat there right now listening to this, thinking, this, this, this is uncomfortable. And I have to say, yeah, yep, it's uncomfortable. Knowing, knowing that it's all gone wrong, but somehow still sat here in this church, in that chair. You know, you know it's all gone wrong and that you're kind of living a lie and that you know that you're not right with God, but it's just too hard to turn around and go back the way you came. Maybe your faith is tired. Maybe work and peer pressure has got to you. Maybe you've been bereaved. Very difficult things. Maybe it's all just become 
too difficult to keep it all going. You just don't have the energy. The spring flush of faith all those years ago, now a dry desert. And it's a dangerous place to be because you know all the right words to say. You can keep up the charade. You can, when you're asked to pray, you can do it. When you're asked to look up a Bible verse, it's there. But you know in your heart, God is not with you. You're, you're far from God. It, the relationship is broken. You don't really belong to God like you did all those years ago. If you could turn with me now to Mark 16, verse 4. When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting at the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, but go, tell the disciples and Peter... He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Go and tell the disciples and Peter. The disciples and Peter. And Peter. How cutting. How, how, how sharp. The disciples and Peter. Peter's not one of them anymore. But critically, critically, God wants Peter back. God is after him. And God is after you. John 21. If you could turn with me to John 21. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, they'd been fishing all night, early in the morning Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realise it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net onto the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing a net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with a fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. That was now the... This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after his raise from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, Simon, not Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. 
The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. So Peter just wanted to wind the clock back. Wind the clock back to before he'd even met Jesus and just go back to being a simple fisherman. He had blown it, denied him, embraced the sin, followed at a distance, taken a break, the whole slide into denial. But Jesus wants him back. Jesus wants all of us back. He is pursuing us. He is chasing us. Go and tell the disciples and Peter, I definitely want Peter. Jesus goes after Peter, like the father running back to the prodigal son. God wants us back. And what is remarkable is is just how quickly this all happens. When he lost his faith, it, it was this drip, 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 little stages, take a break, following at a distance, embracing sin and denial. But this all happens like a splash. He, 100 yards offshore, heavy clothes, he literally jumps back in, jumping back into faith. What had started off by taking a break, having a snooze, and now Jesus is renewing his purpose. He says to him, feed my sheep. Take your eyes off yourself, off your own needs, off your own failures, and work for the kingdom. The more you need God by serving the kingdom, the more you will get of God to serve the kingdom. Secondly, Peter had followed Jesus at this convenient distance, following at a distance. But now, Jesus is right there. Right there. Breaking bread with him around a small fire. Jesus is close. He's close to us. He wants that that close relationship with us. Not some distance God who we vaguely follow. No, we have a God with us, Emmanuel. We have the God spoken alongside us, the Holy Spirit. God wants us close to him. Peter had warmed himself at the fire of the enemy. And now he is literally warming himself at Jesus' fire, wet clothes and all. And if we are caught up with in sin, it's very easy to think, Jesus will never have me back. Friends, you, you know he wants you back. The solution to being caught up in sin is not to focus on how bad our sin is, but to focus on how good God is. You can't want sin less until you want God more. I'll say that again. You cannot want sin less until you want God more. Peter had denied Jesus three times, swearing that he didn't even know him. And now he has to reaffirm his love for Jesus three times. You know that I love you. You know that I love you. You know all things and you know that I love you. And Peter is instantly reinstated. And a couple of late chapters later in Acts 2, he's baptised in the Holy Spirit. He's speaking in tongues. He's speaking to a crowd of thousands and bringing them to Christ. A transformation. Instant. But you have to examine yourself first. You have to ask yourself honestly, am I having a break? Am I having a bit of a snooze? Am I following at a distance? 
Am I warming myself at the sinful fire of the enemy? Or maybe you've even taken that final step of denial. And if the answer to any of those is yes, then you need to be reconciled with Christ. Now, friends, I know that returning to Christ feels so much harder than becoming a Christian in the, the, the first time. However many days, weeks, months or years ago it was, when you first found Christ, you know, in my experience, it was like Jesus knocking on the door and saying, do you want in? Of course, of course I want in. This is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. I'm bashing down the door to get in. But when your faith is on the slide, when when your faith has got tired, do you want in? Do you want in? You know what? Yeah, it's a bit noisy in there. It's a bit too much like hard work. I don't really have the energy. I don't really have the time. I, I don't want others to see me, you know, admitting my failure. It's not my fault. I, I don't really want in because I'm, I'm just so busy these days. And there's the kids and there's the mortgage and the work and church expects too much of me. And I don't really get on with them anyway. But do you want in? Do you want in? Your relationship with God is not like a horse that is bolted or a, a train that is gone or a ship that is sailing away. God has never left you. If you want to know how far God has gone, well, he's gone nowhere. He's gone nowhere. God never left you. And if you are brave enough to turn around, you will see that he is right next to you, holding your hand. He was there all along. It might have been a long slide over many years. It might have been years since you felt the presence and closeness of God. But returning to God is instant. It is like Peter at that fire. It is now. Now is that day to turn around and say, yes, God, today I'm jumping back in. Now, before I pray, I want to say that this isn't the sort of word where you just walk away and think, hmm, that was nice, uh, time for lunch. If you need to return to your faith in God, then God has made it very clear that today is that day. The time to do that, the time to jump back in is now. Don't wait until you're you're feeling more comfortable. Don't wait until your sin you somehow manage to get rid of the sin in your life. Um, you don't need, as you all know, you don't need to get clean before you have a bath. The solution to sin is God. God is the solution to sin. So you just need to come back to God. There is no reason for it not to be today. God is saying that the time to come back is now. So you grab someone from the prayer team. You grab a life group leader. You pray and you do business with God and you get back on board. You jump back in. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you that you want us back. And I thank you that no matter how far we have slipped, no matter how far of a distance we've been following you at, no matter how much sin we've embraced at the fire of the enemy, you want us back. Even if we've denied you, you want us back. I thank you that you love us and I pray that you'll help us all embrace you more and realise that you're there at our side and calling us home. Amen.